You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. So I'm really fortunate to work with some absolutely incredible clients and occasionally uh, they repay the favor through the amazing work which we do and invite me to do really cool stuff such as go and either coach or speak with their clients, guest on their podcasts and various things like that. And this week, uh, I've got a, an amazing conversation which I had with Katie Lythe, who is one of the co-founders of the Wedding Business Hub alongside Roxy Bond. And they also run the WebPro podcast, which I was a guest on. So the interview you're about to listen to is actually Katie interviewing me for the WebPro podcast. We talk about all sorts of things in terms of pricing, money mindset, sales, and various things like that in preparation for WedCon, which is coming up again in November, which I'm super excited about. So over to the interview. Hi, welcome back to this episode of the WebPro Podcast. I'm riding solo without Roxy today, but I do have a guest today that I'm really excited to introduce you to. Some of you will already know Robin, who's going to be chatting to, to us today all about pricing and sales uh, from WedCon last year. But for those of you that don't know you, Robin, I'm sure lots of our listeners do know you, please introduce yourself for everybody listening. Yeah, I'm a business veteran. I know I'm only 41, but I've been doing this thing now for 19 years. I started out life doing a marketing agency in 2004, ran that for 12 years, sold it for a very modest sum, but that allowed me just to have a bit of flexibility and freedom to figure out what what I wanted to do next. And set up, I started coaching. It was a bit of a happy accident. So I did a few, after selling the business, I had a few people who ran agencies who said, oh, you sold your agency. Do you think you could show us how to do that? So started unofficially mentoring a few businesses and then word spread as I started to get great results with them. And eventually I had to give myself a moniker, a title. And my coach said, oh, you'd make a great business coach, Robin. And there was that little moment where I was like, because the coaching space, as as you're getting used to now, is a bit of a funny, funny sort of industry to be involved in. There's some amazing business coaches out there, but there's also some charlatans. So I knew what world I was stepping into, but founded Fearless Business as a coaching practice in 2016 and then haven't looked back really. So we work primarily with other coaches, consultants and freelancers. My thing, Katie, is all about pricing, helping business owners to get to know their numbers but also, most importantly, how they articulate their value. Because a lot of business owners, I think a majority of people are very not very outgoing people. They just want to quietly get on and grow a successful business. But, and as a result of that, they're just terrible at telling people how amazing they are. So my job is to help them be a little bit more fearless and to articulate that value better and talk about the amazing results which they get for their client. And as you mentioned, I've also got several books which I've written over the years, quite an extensive YouTube channel as well with some tips and advice on there. And also behind the scenes, busy dad as well. My girls are nine and seven now. So trying to fit in dadding around business and everything else. It's hectic, but it's fun. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate. A nine and seven girl, my daughter's just turned nine as well. So I'm definitely in that kind of field. And then my son's birthday is the weekend. I'm going to have a teenager in the house. So yeah. Yeah, but also have that little juggle, the juggle and the struggle of kids, business, life, hecticness. But you know what? I think a lot of people will relate, but this is why we start businesses, right? So that we can have a little bit more freedom to be there for, for the kids and what's life if it's not a little bit hectic. <laughs> That's it. And I think as well, in this day and age, I think a lot of people forget, business owners especially, forget about that bit of self-care. Yeah. So if you are a busy parent who's running a business, I see so many people just breaking themselves, busting a gut, working ridiculous hours, trying to make a success of things. And they get very caught up in the whole, like 2023 is all about marketing. And I know you obviously have to market your services in order to get clients and earn an income from it. However, I see too many people who are just spending all their days marketing their business and actually they're getting it a little bit wrong here because the ideal business isn't one with all of the clients. It's one with maybe half the clients, but earning double the income. And from that, you can then think about, can I work four days a week or three days a week? Can I then use that extra time that I bought back to put into a bit of self-care? I think when you start to get into your 30s and 40s, especially as a business owner, kind of energy-wise, things start to shift your body changes you lose a bit of your energy and actually so I made a pact after we came out of lockdown I was like I am not working Fridays anymore if I do it's going to be some very known in very known quantities so I have a couple of associate coaching roles for example and they asked me to do an hour-long session on a Friday fine I can cope with that it's show up do what I'm you know best at which is coaching and then go and enjoy a non-alcoholic beer down the pub or something before I pick my girls up at school from school so I think if you can help business owners to get a bit of their life back put some time into self-care whilst also making a decent living from it that's the ultimate goal and that's really good and really important about what you said and so funny actually because today the first shop that I got today is the anniversary of me having that shop and I think I was 29 when the shop when I got the shop I'd run the business from home for a few years before that and I was thinking wow in between two of my kids birthday my daughter turning one and my son turning he would have been eight I opened a shop like what crazy and then now when I look back at the start of wedding business hub and we were like what we had like wedding business hub in 50 areas in three months very early 30s like now I'm like, absolutely not. Like much slower, much more paced. And I don't have that energy that I used to have. But this is why pricing and why I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about these things, because it is about getting that pricing structure, isn't it? And then as part of that, being able to communicate the value that you do bring to people in order to be able to feel confident in your pricing, feel comfortable with your pricing and convey that to your clients and your customers as well, in order to be able to open you up to probably the reasons why you started your business in the first place to have that freedom and I know people say freedom in business and most people that have businesses think god I'm working like 10 till 10 I quit my nine but we've been working with you me and Roxy have been working with you for the last uh, last 10 months we had a quick catch up before we started recording today and we said look at the difference that we've been able to do in the last few months and I feel really proud and we come and tell you actually I think I I put something in in our little coaching chat the other day that was like oh, this is where I was and this is my attitude and how much I overthought my pricing four or five months ago. But actually, we've just closed on this and this is our biggest like 
sale. And that wouldn't have even been a thought in my mind 10 months ago. And this is what I'm really excited to get you on the podcast to talk to today about that pricing and communicating that value with people. Well, one of the so one of the things that I really admire about what you and Roxy have done over the last twelve months is that so there there are some business owners that just have totally unrealistic expectations, right? They come in and they're like, "I want to earn a million pounds and I want to do it tomorrow," right? And <laughs> they're setting themselves up for a failure immediately because they just haven't thought about. I'm not a big fan of realistic goals, right? You've got to stretch yourself and push yourself yeah. outside that comfort zone a little bit. But you and Roxy over the last 10, 10 months are just you've listened, you paid attention, you've implemented and you've slowly just gradually worked your way up and and increased your income through the wedding business hub. And you've done it gradually. You haven't just gone out of the starting blocks at a million miles an hour and then burnt yourself out after two minutes. You've just applied the principles consistently every day, every week, bit by bit with every launch that you've done. And lo and behold, it's not like you've had a massive win and then it's all disappeared again. You've just had very consistent growth over the last 10 months and hey look this is where we are and this is what sorry to interrupt that's what we want other people to do we don't want this kind of feast and famine cycle and people get that in the industry because we have these really busy months over like wedding season where it's just busy to go and we're about to go into quite a busy season engagement season for businesses so quite a lot of businesses will be paying attention to this because they're going to want to get their pricing right for engagement season, which typically starts kind of Christmas and runs to February. And these are going to be the prices that they're going to be telling their clients and basically what they're going to be earning for the next sort of two years because they've fixed on kind of pricing. But exactly what you said, like the methods you teach, it's slow, it's steady, you get comfortable, you get confident, you apply the knowledge that you've got, that it works. and, And we're not in that feast, famine, feast, famine, and wondering like, how am I going to pay myself next month? Hey, I've got something really interesting, actually, for a lot of the people who work in the wedding industry. So there is this thing where a very fixed mindset of, let's say, wedding photographers, videographers, anybody who works in the wedding space where, oh, our bookings are set so far out out in advance that we can't earn any more money from it because we gave them the prices last year. But actually, it, it costs 17 times more to get a new client on board as it does to sell something to an existing client. So you've got all these clients already, customers booked up well in advance, and you've got the, the, the best opportunity right now is to start getting creative, dig into your resources a little bit, and think about what else could I sell those clients who've already booked? Let's see if we can introduce some really high perceived value add-ons to what we've already sold to them, and and those are going to be the things which eke out massive profit margins over the next year or two. So whilst we might think there's this massive lag between making a pricing decision in a wedding business and us actually earning that money, it's bullshit, quite frankly. If you think like that's the way it's always going to be, you've just got to get a little bit creative. So for example, where you have, let's take a, a wedding videographer, for example, there's going to be the couples will be trying on their outfits before the wedding. Why don't we say actually for an extra 250 quid, we'll come and film that and we'll add it into the video. There's going to be the engagement party. Let's come and take some B-roll and some shots that we can include. So all of these things we can add on and add on. And all of a sudden we've taken, let's say, a 2K wedding video like gig, which you're limited by the fact that's just on that day. And we could turn that into three, four, or even 5K. And we've got Emma from Evolve in the group, right? And she is just absolutely crushing it in terms of what she's doing for her own wedding video wedding videography business but also for what she's now teaching other videographers to do as well and she's charging 
50, 60, 80, or even 100,000 euros to go and film a wedding, right? That just, it's crazy the amount of money which is available and out there. It's just that what most people don't realize in this industry, that they just need to go and ask for it. Yeah. And it's an invitation. That client can say no. They can say, no, I'm sorry, we don't want that. And that's okay. That's fair market value. Everybody has a, a choice in, in the matter. But if you don't ask, you don't get. So if you've got 20 clients lined up for 2024 already, pick up the phone. Oh, hey, just to let you know something new which we're offering. We've got this great um, deal on at the moment for coming out and doing engagement parties and trying on the wedding gear before we actually get to get fitted to your dress or whatever. Is that something you'd like? And it's just a really, it's just an invitation. That's all it is. It's not sleazy salesy or pushy or anything like that. They could turn around and say no. They'll probably say, oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. Tell me more. Okay. So we give them a bit of a spiel and tell them what the plan is and how long it's going to and all this, that and the other. Then they'll ask us about the price. And then we have that conversation. It should just be exactly that, a conversation, nothing more. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because a lot of one of the other mysteries that comes into the wedding industry is that it's like a one and done and then we're constantly after that next client. And it was interesting what you were saying about marketing at the beginning in terms of we're constantly after that next client. We've got to go again. Yes, we've built up this reputation with somebody, but it's not like we can resell to that person necessarily. We do a lot of work with the clients that come and work with us in our program about exactly that really extended journey and where in those points can we then sell them sales on their wedding flowers or do they want thank you gifts or do they want flowers for their hen party or are they having an engagement shoot and do they need outfits for that do they need a wedding planner to help them plan their engagement party their stag party all of these things that that happen and how we can put things in that and then even after the wedding as well as to how we can turn that into a lifelong client it's yeah. really interesting you touched on price in there and I really want to talk to you really because I know that you've got some really helpful things about the mistakes that people make with making their pricing I actually rewatched this video that you did a couple of weeks ago and like the biggest mistakes that you see people do with their pricing. And I think it is so relevant in this industry. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on pricing. I'm going to start actually, I'll talk about pricing. I'm going to start with something which is going to be really controversial. So this is warning. Warning. Probably a bit of a trigger alert for some people who might be listening to this, watching this. Okay. So I'm giving you, I'm giving you advance notice of just brace, brace yourself, grab a seat if you want to, if you can. I would argue, and this is a sweeping statement, I would argue that a lot of people in the wedding industry don't actually have a real business. Oh. Okay. And the reason for that is, what is the one goal in business, Katie? To make a profit, right? Most people in the wedding industry are not making a profit. All they're doing is they take the money from their clients, they put it into their own personal bank account, and it's just enough to cover their mortgage and their food and a few other bits and pieces throughout the year, maybe a bit of gear or something like that as well for camera gear or whatever. And there's no profit left at the end of every year, okay? If there is no profit, you are not a business. And I think that's really important to pay attention to. A real business operates in a way that they have revenue coming in, they have direct cost of sales, they have some overheads, they pay themselves out of it. And even then after paying themselves, they have a few hundred pounds or a few grand left at the end of every year as true real profit once tax and everything else is paid for, that profit can then be used to reinvest back into the business to help it grow and scale, to give yourself a buffer because we're all human at the end of the day. You can't predict when you're going to get ill, when your kids will get ill, when there will just be a downturn like we had in COVID. That ruined however many businesses in hospitality. 
the events industry and especially the wedding industry okay now i'm touch with there's not going to be any more covid that come along in the next decade but it might happen so you need a buffer in your bank account so that if worst came to the worst you could take a month two months or even six months off and the money's there and all your bills are paid and and i think that what it comes down to is in part is pricing and obviously we're going to touch on pricing and what the, the mistakes are but your business if you're listening to this should be geared around making profit. And if we were to set even just a basic rule for, you know, as a self-employed or sole trading person in the wedding industry, if you could set aside 500 pounds a month and put that away in a savings account and commit to that, imagine at the end of the year having 6K in your bank that is there as a safety net to spend on equipment, to reinvest into marketing, to maybe hire a business coach so that you can advance your business. For example, with the Wedding Business Hub, there's all sorts of things there. You've now got options. So profit is what it is all about in business. It's super important. And hopefully I haven't offended anybody too much there, but hopefully a few people have looked up and gone, oh, actually, I think he's onto something. It's it's really interesting that you say that because I think people avoid it. They really avoid that word profit or feel like it's a little bit of a dirty word. Oh, I just love what I do. So I don't mind. One of our clients said this to us, oh, but I love what I do. And she was charging like 50, 50p an invitation. And I was like, this needs to stop. Like, we all love what we do. It's not a business if we're not making money and we're not making profit at the end of the day. And I think maybe because people, some people avoid the numbers. And I've been there in the past where I have really avoided looking at those numbers. And I think I'm making a profit because I, I take X and I add a little bit of money on it and I sell it for Y. So yeah, I'm making a profit. But actually, I've avoided the numbers a little bit. Then you don't like to hear this word profit and you don't like to really think about the word profit. It's only really since we got really intentional, started to work with you and was like, we need a little bit of help here. We we plateaued in our business and we're like, we're, we're making this amount of money. It's okay. It's paying our mortgage. But we're not left exactly like you were saying, not left with a lot of cash in the bank at the end of the year. Like not left with that buffer that we wanted especially since COVID, I think we worked with you about a year after COVID, didn't we? And we were like, yeah, the buffer's gone. And we don't, we didn't like that feeling. And it took some time, but we've got much more comfortable with what goes out, what comes in, really looking at our profit margins, looking in the bank a lot more often. Roxy, especially, and she talks about this a lot, didn't like to look in the bank. She didn't like to know. And I'd be like, right, Roxy, what's happening with the numbers today? Let's have a little look. And she'd be like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> and she didn't like to look but it's so important definitely. definitely and moving on to the, the numbers you just keep them simple okay so if you know that you want to make some profit you should have a rough idea about how much money you've got to bring in to make say five or 10k profit for example and just as a basic sort of a, a very basic calculation when you're setting your prices the first mistake is people just go and look at their competitors now if it's really common in the wedding industry to set prices at the low end because we think that's how we get clients. That's total and utter BS, right? That's not how it works at all. The problem with looking at your competitors is they might seem on the face of it really successful, but if they're undercharging and you're and they're not making profit or even losing money, you're about to copy a flawed business model. And that's just not helpful for anybody. So the best thing you can possibly do when you're setting your, your prices is to think about your own business, what economically stacks up for your own business pricing wise. So let's say, for example, you want to make, let's just make the maths easy. You want to make a hundred thousand pounds a year, say, 
And you have the capacity as a, again, I'm just going to stick with the wedding videographer. Sort of. If you have the capacity to do 20 weddings a year, you need to be setting your prices at 5K for each wedding, right? Otherwise, you're just not going to be profitable. You're going to, if you're charging two and a half K, you've got to do 40 weddings. Now that's, you don't have the capacity to deliver that. So just doing a very basic calculation, which is how much money do I want to earn divided by the number of gigs I want to do next year or two years time or whatever the the lag is in whatever your industry is, that gives you that baseline value figure that we need to be getting per project that we take on. And that, like, when I do those calculations with a lot of people, their eyes pop out of their heads because I bet the average videographer is probably charging 1,000 to 1,500 quid for a day's filming and some editing. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, crikey, I've got to double or 3x my prices in order to, like, earn a decent living. And it's like, yeah, you do. that, And that's it. We've got to... But the trouble is, you can't just double your prices and not stack any extra value in there. Again, this is where you've got to get creative over the product which you're delivering. And what I mean there is you have to think about what is the dream outcome that your clients want, right? Thankfully, I've only been married once. I hope it's the only time I ever get married, right? That was one one very special day in my life, okay? And we're coming up for our 10th wedding anniversary now, which is quite exciting next month, right? So one very special day, if we hadn't have captured that moment, I'd have been gutted. If we... The video side of things wasn't so fussed about, but for, I love photographs and I love the that moment where it captures the emotion in a photograph. So for me, it was like really important that we had like a documentary style photographer on the day that w- it wasn't all staged. Yeah. It was like really just it, it, me talking, you know, me and my wife talking to people, family showing up. It was raining on the day. So we had some like really cool outdoor shots in the rain, like fun with umbrellas and all sorts of cool stuff. But he did it in this like really natural, like, and thankfully he was a friend of the family, but I asked him what, what he would have charged. And I was like, I would have paid double that like for the fo- the quality of the photographs he produced. I'd have happily paid him double that. And, and it's those memories that I think a lot of people don't really, they don't pay attention to. So this leads me onto the second mistake. Why don't they pay attention to the memories they're creating for their clients? It's because they're making it all about themselves, Right. Yeah. I need to sell that client because I've got to pay my mortgage and I've got to put food on my table and this is my business. No, that is entirely the wrong way of looking at it. The most important person in your business is your clients. Fair enough, you've got to get paid. You get paid for doing a job well done. The money is a natural byproduct of giving great value to your clients. Okay. And by value, I don't mean bargain basement type value, buy one, get one free. By value, I'm talking about how they feel at the end of it. Yeah. And that's what so many people in the wedding industry don't think about because they're so focused on putting food on their own table. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, I think part of it as well is the the not wanting to blow their own trumpet. But exactly Mm. what you said, it's not about you. It's about what am I providing for the client and actually what is the value the client is looking for and being able to communicate that part of it, communicating not really the benefits of what you do, but actually the value and what that means to that couple and means to that client. We take the example of a wedding planner quite often. A wedding planner will think, oh, they want on-the-day coordination, so they want somebody there on the day to tell the suppliers where to be and to deal with any kind of mishaps as as and when they come about. 
and they feel like, oh, I'm selling wedding planning services. And we're like, no, what actually is the couple buying from you? They're buying actually peace of mind that they're going to be able to enjoy the day, that all of the suppliers are going to show up and provide an, an organized day that they really have spent a long time planning. They're also paying for the stress of not having to worry about any of it themselves. And what is that peace of mind worth to your client? And actually, they want to enjoy this process of getting married. They want to enjoy like the date nights and not have to stress about someone's RSVP not showing up or someone's dietary requirements not being written down or whatever it is, or the DJ being a few minutes late, whatever it is, they want to enjoy the process of being engaged. And so often they're just bombarded with messages about how stressful wedding planning is. It yeah. me up actually. It really wants me up to see it because I feel like, this should just be an enjoyable time for people. They're planning such a special day to them. They're planning a celebration in front of the people that they love. And yeah, it's about communicating that value that you bring so that they get that without needing to be stressed. That's it. There's something which you said, which was so important at the start of that, which is about the business owner's confidence. Yeah. And so one way I challenge people, you, you've been on the receiving end of this. One way I challenge people is on their own beliefs how confident are they in their ability to deliver remarkable results to their clients and the way that i challenge that is by saying could you offer a hundred percent money back guarantee on your service and i guarantee most people listening to this be like one one they'll think is a gimmick it's not and you'll hopefully find out why in a second but the second thing immediately i think no i couldn't possibly do that and the two words which always crop up, which is a swear words and fearless, right? Are, it depends. It depends on the client. It depends on what happens on the day. It depends on, it depends, it depends. The reality is it depends. The reason why it's a swear word is because it depends means there are too many variables in your business. It means you're possibly taking on the wrong clients, again, to put food in your own on your own table and put money in your own pocket, right? Because the reality is, if you're sat there thinking Bridezilla comes along and could ruin everything and then ask for her, for their money back, maybe you shouldn't have taken on that client in the first place. So this is about protecting your reputation more than it is about anything else. Yeah. So that qualifying the clients in, in the first instance is massively important. Being prepared to say no, being in control of the no and turn that client away if you don't think it's a good fit, that removes one variable from it, Okay. If you're thinking about on the day, I don't know what whether what the weather's going to be or what the venue's going to be like or what the whether the ushers will be in the right place or all of those different things. Again, you are in control of those variables. If you are worried about those things, you need to come up with a game, a, a you know, plan B in case it rains. You need to come up with a uh, a way of communicating to the ushers where they need to be and when and why. You need to, you need to cover off all of these different variables. When you remove variables from a business, things start to flow. They start to become effortless. They become easier. They become, most importantly, more predictable. When things are more predictable, you get better results. People have a much better time. And so the results can, in that instance, to a certain amount, be guaranteed. Okay. But we don't want to just say 100% money back guarantee because, yeah, it is a bit gimmicky and it it can come across the wrong way, especially with if you're dealing with quite sophisticated clients, which many of you will be. So there's a slight twist on that, which, again, which I work educate a lot of our clients about. Is, and it's what we do is we work on their perceived value for that client. So you may be the most expensive florist. You may be the most expensive wedding planner. You may be the most expensive videographer or photographer in your niche in your local area, 
right? But if you turn around and say, listen, if we do your wedding and you're genuinely, you don't feel you've got value for money from working with us, then we'll have a discussion about either compensating you for that difference or refunding you in full. What that conveys, what that message communicates to the, the couple who are getting married and investing a lot of money in you is, wow, this person's really confident in their ability to deliver results. I'd rather not risk spending a few hundred pounds on this photographer. I'd rather spend two grand knowing that if I don't get the results I want, I'm a little bit more in control of this. And so we've just handed the baton back to the client and put the focus on them and and demonstrated to them that we're just, we're, we're really great people and we want to deliver great value. And like I said, we don't just, we don't just double our prices and be done with it, right? What we do when we increase our prices is we look for ways to create just an extraordinary experience for the clients we work with. And there's a number of different ways that you can do that from through the planning phase, through just demonstrating to them everything's in hand. And like you said, just making them feel relaxed. They don't have to worry about the flowers or the photography or the videography or the whatever it might be on the day that that they know that everything is just going to run smoothly. And also that you're a safe pair of hands to have around at that wedding. If something else breaks somewhere else, Robin's going to step in and take care of it. Or you can replace my name with your name if you're watching this, by the way. So you're not just there in the capacity of which they booked you for. They actually know that you're going to help with everything and make it a great experience. Yeah, there was actually, he was at Wicon actually. I don't know if you saw Terry's talk. I don't know if you were around for it. So Robin spoke at Wedcon last year. He's coming back and speaking again at this show, which we're really excited about. But Terry Lewis, he's a DJ, also educator in the wedding industry. He introduced this concept of money back guarantee because he was charging, I don't know, I think a typical DJ was charging about £500 for the wedding. And he was charging like 2 k for the same hours, same kind of music, what the couple wanted. He was charging 2 k five hours, whatever it was. But his equipment was no better than other people charging 500 But yeah, he offered this money back guarantee on his services as well. And do you know what? I don't, I think he stood and said he's never, ever had anybody come and say that. I tell you what, I've got a story about this. So years and years ago, so there's a little known secret about Robin, okay, that not many, so I DJed for 10 years, not as a wedding wow. DJ, but I DJed for 10 years in, mostly in Cheltenham, where I went to university in Cheltenham and, and worked in various pubs and clubs around there and, and during that time. And then people get to know you because, just because of the circuit. And I got a call on a Saturday um, night or early on a Saturday evening, sorry, it was about 5pm. And it was a couple who just got married and they said, our DJ's not turned up. They're not here. Please, can you help? Would you know somebody can help us? So I was like, don't worry, I'll, I'll pack my kit up. I said, I don't have stuff for, for wedding DJing, the lights and all the smoke machines and stuff like that, but I'll gather what I can and I'll bring it over and I'll help you out. And I'll, I've got a mate as well who's, you know, I'm hanging out with. He's just heard the call and said, yeah, he'll come and help too. So between us, we'll figure it out. And what trans? And this is before I know any of what I know now. It's the early days of my marketing agency, even. And I, I was chatting to them at the wedding as we're setting up, and I was like, "What on earth happened? How did this? How did they? What are they ill or whatever?" They said, "No, gone out of business. They'd had all of their kit. Uh, what do you call it? So oh, bailiffs yeah. had come in and taken all of their kit, been collected and taken away. They're obviously being taken to court by HMRC and all sorts of things like that. And it, it was purely because, and my client was very honest. She said, "We thought we'd got a bargain." Mm. So that DJ clearly wasn't charging enough. And you think about it, if if you're booking 20, 30, 40 gigs a year as a wedding DJ or whatever it is that you do, and you're not charging enough, think of all of those couples that you're going to let down who are going to panic and everything else. 
if you're not looking after your business finances and you just either, well, th- they were forced out of business, this DJ was, but sometimes people just go, oh, I'm going to give up because I'm not making enough money. Now all of a sudden you've got 40 couples who now need a, a DJ next year yeah. or whatever. So charging your worth is good for business. It's good for delivering great results to those clients, being consistent and making sure you're going to stick around for a long period of time. Undercharging literally helps no one because it just ends up being a race to the bottom. And now all we've got is a load of out of work or jobbing or very filled DJs out there because everybody's charging a pittance for DJing at weddings. Yeah. And this is what I like about being able to charge a little bit more. And what, what we talk to our clients about that come and work with us is that you're then able to give them the experience that they deserve because the, there is extra time there or maybe there's money there for an assistant or whatever it is that frees up your time to give more back to the couple or there's money in there for little surprises and experiences along the way that then mean that that couple refer you to somebody else and that helps your marketing budget out but I know there's this big pull in the drive of people feel like I can't raise my prices and we'll get onto that in a minute. We'll, we'll finish on, on that point, Robin, because I know that you're really passionate about this mindset that people have in, in round pricing. But it really doesn't help anybody, least of all you and, and your clients as well. Like you were saying, the most important people are your clients. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely doesn't help your clients out when you're that person that's not really enjoying your job because you've got to do... You were saying 40 weddings. Some people say, I need a wedding every weekend to make this business work. There's nothing worse, is there, than a DJ who stood behind the decks at a wedding and he's just there just... Yeah, on the phone, yeah. Not interested in making sure that the the bride and groom or groom and groom and bride, whatever, are all having fun. Parents are dancing in the the middle of the dance floor. That They're all having a good time. And I've, I've seen it so often. There was one time I actually went up to a DJ at a wedding. I was like, you've done nothing but be on your phone all fucking night. And I said, please pay attention to my friend who's getting married because this is their big night. And a couple of times you just not read the room and completely like effed it up, basically. At my wedding... We did that cardinal sin, sorry everybody listening, especially to the DJs, of where we got married said, oh, we've got a DJ. So we were like, yeah, we'll book him. That's fine. No problem. I don't know even know how much it was. I don't think it would have been a lot. We never met him before. He rocked up. The music cut twice at our wedding. Goodness. Yeah, like where it just went dead, silent. And then like you've built up an atmosphere and people are like, oh, that he's messing around, getting everything like back together. And then it doesn't pick up again. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's it's shocking. But hey, listen, I, I one of the one of the other things I think people really struggle with pricing is they do have there are some preconceived ideas around what they think is going to happen if they raise their prices. Okay. So and by the way, we don't have to double our prices. It could just be maybe like put them up 10 or 20 or 30%. We've had very high inflation. So even if you put your price up by 10%, you're still like, you're actually no better off like in 2023 as it stands at the moment. So you want to be brave and put probably commit to 20 or 30% as a minimum. But you could do that two or three times throughout the year. And because in many cases, it is like a one and done thing with the clients which you work with, you can sell to a client for two grand yesterday and today if you're feeling confident you can sell the same package to somebody else for two and a half k there are no rules here but the trouble is as human beings we make up these rules and they become beliefs and when we stand by them which idiot made up the rule that we can only put our prices up once a year and only buy like 10 percent? what a dumb rule because it just limits your earnings potential especially in today's market right 
So you can put your prices up two or three, four times a year. You can be brave and do it by 20, 30, 40% if you want to incrementally to get to that point where to grow, if you wanted to go from 2K to 4K, maybe we do need to go 2.5K, 2,000, 3,000, and gradually increment our way up to it as your confidence grows and you get better at selling. The second misconception is that people just get their stats wrong. They think that their job is to close every single client and that they're doing something wrong. They've got a 90% conversion rate and they're doing something wrong if that one person says no, right? So this falls into that age-old fear of human beings just wanting to be liked by other people. And a no in business is this massive rejection. Actually, and again, I know this is probably going to shock a lot of people listening to this statistic, but... Through my experience of having worked with hundreds of businesses over the last um, eight years now coaching, done a lot of studies on the numbers, especially conversion rates. And the optimal conversion rate for somebody in the wedding industry is actually somewhere between about 20 and 40%, right? So you're actually going to be turning away far more clients than you're going to be taking on. And the way we control that conversion rate is by our prices. So if we're con converting nine out of 10, people trick themselves. They think, oh, I'm a good salesperson. I must be good at sales. And I'm like, double your prices and now show me you can still close nine out of 10. Oh, no, I couldn't possibly do that because people just won't buy at that price. Yes. So you've just highlighted my point. That doesn't make you a good salesperson. It shows me that you haven't optimized your pricing, which is your business model, right? And at nine out of 10, there's a really high conversion rate. People don't realize this. There's, you can't get feedback. It's a bit like the rev limiter on a car bouncing in the on the in the red. Like, meh, 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 meh. you can't, you can put more, like you can press your foot down harder, but you've got no, you can't go any faster. There's no actual feedback from that. So what we want is we artificially reduce that conversion rate down to 40%. And it's now in about two and a half, 3,000 revs. And when we accelerate, we can see the revs go up. And when we take our foot off the gas, i.e. fewer sales, the revs come down. But we've got feedback both ways. And like I said, 40%, 40 if that if you start to close more and you get better at sales and more confident, obviously, WebCon this year, talking a lot about sales at this year's WebCon, you know that I need to reduce that by increasing my prices. I need to bring it back down again into a reasonable sort of range of conversion. If it starts to drop off, oh, what's happening? Is the market changed? Maybe prices are too high. Maybe we have over-egged it a little bit and our prices could be too rare. I've seen maybe one in 300 businesses where their prices are genuinely too high and affecting their conversion rate. So it's super rare, but it could be a possibility. There could be other things. It could be you've lost your confidence and you're just struggling with like business. Maybe it's just a bit hard. Something's happened personally and it's reflected when you go and sit in front of a soon to be happy couple and you just find you just don't have the energy to sell the thing you're doing so that that tells me there must be a passion for your business dropped a little bit so there's some really useful stats we get when we actually set that conversion rate high the goal is not to enroll as many clients as you possibly can it goes full circle the goal is to make profit yeah in the business and that's, that's so yeah that's so important what you said because i think that's what people think when we say booked out to people, we all say, what does that mean to you? Because some people are booked out and their capacity is 10 weddings a year. And that's what they want to do. They want to do one a month, but they want to take the whole summer off because that's what they want to do. Or they want, don't want to work November, December. And that's their booked out. It always screams red flags to us when people say that they want a wedding every weekend or they want to do two weddings a weekend. And they're measuring success based on if I've got 50 weddings booked for 2024 and so-and-so's got 10, 
then I'm the more successful. Well, I'll let you in a little secret. I could be all of them. I, I reckon I could do probably 500 weddings a year for 50p and I'm winning, right? And you, and every, I hope in the absurdity of that statement, you'll all sit back and go, okay, maybe I need to rethink my game a little bit. And that's <laughs> it. And that is it. Let us know what you're talking about our work on the show. We're so excited. We, we felt like we didn't get enough, even though it was great last year. And so many people, all of the feedback was like, we loved Robin's talk. So interesting, so interesting. So we're so thrilled to be inviting you back this year down in Kent. So yeah, let us know what people can expect if they're going to come to WordCon. Yes, there's there's quite a, a heavy sales theme I noticed actually amongst a lot of the speakers. So obviously you've invited me down to talk about sales this year as well. So we're going to be doing some really cool stuff. So the, the practical, tactical side of um, the talk is going to be around something called my six-step sales process. And the nice thing is no slides. It's going to be fully interactive with the audience more so this year because that leads me on to the second thing. So once you've got the six-step sales process down and, it, and it's a, it's the most simple, it's like a one-page sales script. It's super simple and you can take it into any situations with any couples that are looking to get married. It's going to definitely increase your chances of converting those people into clients and also giving you a a solid framework that just makes you confident and happy when you sit down and have that sales conversation not awkward because I think that's how a lot of people feel the second thing which we're going to be doing so once we've got that script now we're going to be um doing some sales role play and again a lot of people like sales role play then they're like they don't want to be put in hot seat so I will be picking some plucky volunteers and those victims will be invited to come up to the front and actually do a sales role play with me And how I do this is I become the videographer, the florist, the whatever. That person gets to become a slightly tricky client. And we walk through, I show the, demonstrate the process. We talk about objections. I handle those objections live. People can throw them out in the audience if they want to, because that's always great fun as well. And they think, I'm going to come up with something great that's going to catch Robin out. And they never manage it yet. So there's the gauntlet thrown. And really the idea is like, the the trouble is like with sales, a lot of people give you the, the theory and then it's like a, a sales hand grenade. It's just a, they throw you in and you're expected to go and close deals. And the trouble is when you don't understand tonality, pacing, body language, when you don't understand, when you don't have a framework to handle objections and a stock like script to come back to people and a process to talk about next steps and onboarding people. And most importantly, stop hiding behind proposals and quotations because we want to close people ideally there and then, but maybe on a second call. It's just about giving people sales confidence and a and a and a and a solid framework to be able to do that confidently. I'm so excited. I'm definitely excited about the the challenge you've given everybody. Let's try and get you out. If people want to find out more about WebCom, we'll pop some information into the show notes. So you can go and grab your ticket. It's the 15th of November, down in Kent. What's really exciting as well, exactly what you said. There's a real like sales focus this year where we we want you to be able to be getting these things right for next year to be your best year ever inside your business. But also we really, you touched upon it in terms of relaxation and not burning out and being happy business owners. We've got that focus of it as well. So we've got beautiful venue, really gorgeous food. And we want it to be a day where we can celebrate you inside your business and to take you out of your business and just give you those few hours where we can concentrate on that running and the things that are going to move that dial forward inside of your business too. Robin, if people want to find out, you touched upon the books that you have written, take your shot. I actually have read it probably three times now. I keep going back to it and, and being like, okay, let's just go back. I think, and each time actually I get something different. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm one of those people that folds the pages over. I need to come back to that and I'll come back to it. But if people want to get a copy of uh, Take Your Shot, 
how do they get hold of one? So uh, a couple of different ways. You can either order it on Amazon or what I will do is I've got some signed copies available as well for your listeners. So it's a little gift. I'll cover postage and everything. So they can get those at fearless.biz forward slash TYS for take your shot um, or just reach out to me in an email. And um, another good way to get hold of me as well, if you've got questions following up from this um, interview today, um, just head on over to LinkedIn and connect with me on there and just shoot me a message. I'd be more than happy to answer questions. And then obviously we've got a ton of resources and interviews and free PDFs and downloads and stuff at robinwaite.com. And your YouTube channel as well. Yes, absolutely. The YouTube channel. Yeah. So yeah, just go and search for Robin Waite on YouTube. You'll find all my videos there. Oh, fair. Thank you so much. So yeah, we'll pop a few of those links into the show notes below to make it nice and easy. But yeah, go and connect on LinkedIn with Robin and check out his YouTube as well. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been really great. Let's leave people with one action point that they can go and do from the end of this podcast. So what's the one thing people can go and do and focus on after listening today just to move that needle a little bit forward? So I'd I'd recommend just dig into your numbers a little bit more. Don't always as well, don't just listen to your accountant, but try and just be a little bit enthusiastic about understanding your numbers better and walk through if you want to make a little bit of extra money next year and start to build up that buffer, like we talked about at the start, just start setting aside something, okay? Even if it's £50 a week, just something small, put it into a savings account. Your mindset will shift in almost immediately when you start to see that built buffer building up. It will just give you that extra level of security and you'll find that you'll, your confidence will grow because you won't want to just be enrolling every single client that comes. You'll be much more strategic about who it is that you choose to work with. You'll be much more confident about if you could take it or leave it. I'm just going to put an extra 500 quid on this and see what happens. So just take a couple of little risks. Just fear the things in your business ever so slightly less that are currently stopping you and holding you back. And you will have your most successful year ever in 2024. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye.